Exceeding Expectations, episode 17. Welcome to Exceeding Expectations, the show about creating exceptional experiences for your customers. And the guests on the show typically have the mindset of loving to over-deliver on their customers' expectations. And they're always trying to think of creative ways of how they can do that with each customer they work with. Today is Jane Blackman. Jane is a celebrant. And if you're not quite sure what a celebrant is, that will all be explained in due course. She helps people to, to really celebrate life. And so we'll hear a lot more from Jane right now. I hope you enjoy the show. So today's episode, I am speaking with a lady called Jane Blackman. How are you doing, Jane? I'm very well. Thanks, Tony. And Jane is a celebrant. And for many people who probably still are not quite sure what a celebrant is, do you want to explain what a celebrant is? <laughs> yes, I will. I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> so a, a celebrant is a person who creates and leads a ceremony. Um, and they do it in a very bespoke way they get to know the people involved in the ceremony Um, they write the ceremony in advance there's often um, uh, lots of discussion between the celebrant and the people who the ceremony is for whether it's a funeral a baby naming a wedding a vow renewal and obviously alternative types of ceremony Um, Mm. and therefore the people who the ceremony is for know exactly what to expect on the day because of the discussion that's taken place. And they've often seen the ceremony script prior to the day as well. And and that's um, the case not only for weddings, but also funerals, baby namings, etc. So it's uh, a person who takes a very personalised, bespoke ceremony. And and so therefore, it's very different. So I mean, most people, when if they've been to a wedding that hasn't been in a church, or they've been in a wedding in a venue, or you know, in a wedding venue itself, they the person that they often see doing performing the, the ceremony is normally a registrar from the council. Yes, and that and that is quite a different experience to a typical to, to many celebrants. I would say, wouldn't would you? Yeah. Would you? Yeah, absolutely, a very different experience because a registrar. Um, doesn't have the luxury that we have as celebrants of having the time to spend with the couple who they're going to do the wedding for. Mm. And so therefore, unfortunately for them, them, and I'm sure many of them feel um, a bit restricted and a bit frustrated about it, um, they they can only really just fill in the missing names of the people mm. that they're doing the wedding for. They have their legal words to say, of course, because they provide a legal marriage. Um, mm. But they're usually restricted to quite a brief ceremony and words that have to be said um, and with very little room for manoeuvre um, in mm. terms of personalising the ceremony. Obviously, as celebrants, we don't provide a legally binding ceremony. The mm. registration of the marriage um, needs to be done at another time, and that's a whole different thing to get into. Um, that can all be done very simply and actually quite cheaply so that people then can have a celebrant-led ceremony if they want something so much more personal than that kind of ceremony that a registrar can offer. 
because you're you don't have any restrictions about sort of the wording so much do you and you, you're much more able to create something special for that couple absolutely um you know the old cliche your ceremony your way is still so true with with um the celebrant option not only the words that are shared during the ceremony, the music that's chosen, but also symbolic elements if people want to include those, um, involving members of the family, close friends, and really going to town, making it truly reflect the couple that the wedding mm-hmm. is for. And of course, you you aren't restricted to a, a licensed venue with a celebrant Mm. you can have your ceremony anywhere uh, and that can actually be in a public place like on a beach or in a wood Um, Mm. and many people choose to have their ceremonies in unlicensed venues because that keeps the price down but you know they're Mm. often quite unusual quirky places again that makes it very personal and meaningful perhaps it's somewhere that's very special to the couple so yeah the um the options are pretty much endless with a celebrant. So you've got me thinking now, what is the quirkiest venue you've done a, a wedding at? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> um, I don't know about quirky. I've been to some beautiful venues. Um, mm. I don't think there's been anything particularly quirky. I, don't, I have taken a funeral in a bowling club <laughs> before. Wow. Uh, because okay. the, the lady that had died was a keen bowler uh, and it just was felt fitting that that's where her farewell should be. Um, mm. But with weddings, uh, nothing majorly quirky. Um, lots of outdoor weddings, weddings in private back gardens, beautiful homes, stately houses, hotels, barns. Um, uh, Yeah, nothing really quirky, but just beautiful, some beautiful, beautiful places that I wouldn't have had the chance to visit had I not been doing the work that I'm doing currently. And so when you meet um, a prospective client, whether that be a couple for a wedding or someone about a funeral, I, I imagine that quite often they'll come to you and they expect that there's certain things that they have to do. Yes. And and so therefore they probably they're probably quite surprised when you're when you let them know that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um it never ceases to amaze me actually how much explanation I do need to give to people. Um, mm. And I've come to realise that I must never assume that people know how ceremonies work, particularly mm. with funerals. Um, a lot of clients um, come to me thinking that there are certain things that we have to do legally. And obviously mm. with a funeral, there are no legal requirements at all. Mm. Um, and so therefore, it's a lot of hand-holding, it's a lot of um, advice giving and guiding and, and information sharing with the people that I'm involved with, um, not mm. only with funerals, but with weddings. Baby namings, I think people do get that that can be so much more flexible anyway, um, because yeah. they're, they're choosing something that's maybe seen to be quite alternative to a, to a christening. But with weddings Mm. and funerals, yes, people do expect that there are certain things that they have to do. And one of the first things that I always say 
uh, and particularly with funeral families, is there is no right or wrong here. This is about what's comfortable for you as a family and what you feel would be right for the person who has died. And they often look at me at that point a bit shocked. Oh, you're not going to tell us, you know, that we have to do X, Y and Z. Um, mm. Even, you know, how you walk into a chapel, how how we begin the funeral, the sort of entry arrangements, that sort of thing. People don't realise mm. that they actually have a choice over those things, like whether we close the curtain in the crematorium, that kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, there's a lot of information to, to give to people um, during that very first meeting. And I, I think also a lot of people don't realise that a funeral can actually be fun in, in oh, many absolutely. ways yeah. and it, it can it can be a celebration of the person's life and, and uh, an example is last year my mum passed away and we had a um a service led by a celebrant a guy called peter wiley and it was it was just a fantastic ceremony because my mum was not religious in any way whatsoever uh-huh. and, and she was would would have been horror struck if there'd been any religious elements in the ceremony right. I, and Peter understood exactly what it is we wanted. And he, she, she would very much have wanted something that was a celebration rather than lots of mourning and people being sad. And that's exactly what he delivered. It was, it was everyone after the ceremony remarked, wow, that was such a different funeral than I've ever been to before. That's a really good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that. And celebrations of life are what we offer as celebrants Mm. Um, that's what our job title is if you like celebratory people that celebrate things celebrate occasions celebrate people's lives celebrate people's relationships Um, Mm. and it's actually only maybe a handful of times that I've taken funerals and I I think by now I've taken something like 300 funerals 300 and odd funerals I think literally Mm. I can count on one hand how many families have not wanted it to be called a celebration of life you know for whatever reason sometimes it doesn't Mm. feel right to to celebrate a life in the same way that you might do with others but Mm. nine times out of ten or or even more people do want the lives of their loved ones celebrated they want their Mm. achievements talked about they want positive areas of their life um shared and you know remembered with joy and fondness um Mm. that is what we can offer families and again i think um people are surprised at how uplifted they can feel um Mm. after a good funeral (laughs) there is such thing as a good funeral yeah Absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, the, the title of this show is Exceeding Expectations. So therefore, I, I imagine there's been a number of times when the the people, whether it be again for a funeral or a wedding, they've had certain expectations of how they think it's going to be. And you've probably quite surpassed or given them all sorts of ideas to make it very different from what they thought that it might be. Yeah, I definitely try to do that. Um, it's, you know, getting to know the people that you're providing the ceremony for Mm. fairly well, you know, as well as you can in the time that you're given before the ceremony and the opportunities that you have to meet face to face, but getting a really good feel for what's going to suit them, um, Mm. what's going to be right and feel comfortable, um, you know, getting the humour right and that, that kind of thing is, you know, that can be very tricky in a funeral because, as you say, a funeral can be, 
um, a celebration and a and mm. certain to a certain extent, you know, there's joy in in some of those very precious memories, and and that can be shared during that ceremony. Um, mm. But in order to get that spot on, you know, you've really got to get to know your family or your couple. Um, mm. And you've got to liaise with them. And and I always like to share in advance what it is that I'm going to say or what I propose to say so that there are mm. no shocks, no nasty surprises. And, you know, particularly if a family does want um, some humour or a few light moments dotted throughout the ceremony that you've actually got it right for them, that they're going to feel comfortable mm. with your delivery and what you're going to say. So, yeah, exceeding expectations is so important or, you know, at least um, being really clear about the expectations along the way so that everybody's completely comfortable with, you know, what's going to be done on the day and said, of course. Mm. And and before we started recording, we were, you know, I was asking you about how you got into this. And so you mentioned before you were, was it a school teacher or a school headmaster? I forget what you said. Yeah, so I've been in teaching for over 20 years, so a teacher um, initially, and then became a head teacher, a primary head teacher, um, before I left to start up my own um, little consultancy business helping in schools helping other head teachers so mm. um, yeah my background is in teaching in education so this is quite a different role for me but there are lots of transferable skills of course and, and so what what would some of those be um, I think public speaking um, standing mm. up in front of a room full of people and not feeling too nervous about that mm. um, Dealing with challenging situations, you know, dealing with people who are grieving and who are very upset mm. and who are going through a really tough time. Um, you know, you're often faced with those sorts of situations in school, whether it's with a member of staff or, you know, a child or the parents of a child. Um, maybe a family are going through a breakup, a divorce or a bereavement. You know, there have been lots of those sort of situations that I've had to deal with over the years. So mm. that, that helps having had a bit of background there, you know, keeping calm and comforting people and, and making sure that people feel listened to, etc. cetera. Um, mm. And I think also writing, um, writing stories because ultimately okay. that's, that's what we do um, mm. in teaching. And as a head teacher, you're writing, you don't realize it, I think, but looking back, you write a lot of stories, you know, you write reports, you, you, you reflect on what's happened throughout the day. You mm. give feedback to people. You're always writing stories in one form or another and, okay. um, you know, obviously creating scripts is, is often about the story of the life of the person or, or the journey of the couple or, mm. um, you know, in naming ceremonies, you might be writing the story of the family and talking about siblings and so on. So, yeah, lots of lots of things that at the time, you know, you don't realise that they would perhaps transfer into other roles. But certainly for me, they suit the role of celebrant. Um, and, and it's really helped me actually looking back, doing the job that I did. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm really glad that I did it because it stood me in good stead to move forward into this role, um, even mm. though it wasn't planned. <laughs> And so how did that come about? How did you make that change from being a, you know, working in schools to being a celebrant? 
Uh, well, as I said to you before um, we we started the interview, when we were just chatting earlier, it, it happened by mistake. It wasn't anything that I um, really had planned, not a long way in advance anyway. Um, mm. But following the death of my father-in-law, um, and he died fairly young and fairly quickly after diagnosis with a serious illness, it was a really mm. tough time for for my husband and myself and family and his mum and brother etc. Um, but we had a humanist funeral with a humanist celebrant for mm-hmm. him, um, and I was really quite blown away by how it made such a difficult situation actually better. Um, mm. uh, not necessarily because the person said or did anything that any celebrant wouldn't have done or said just because they were a humanist celebrant. Um, you know, mm. any. I think it's just about getting the match right between the person and the family. Mm. And in this case, it really, it really was the perfect match. The lady that took the funeral was incredible and she really did take the time to listen um, and make it a true celebration of his life, and to give us all that comfort and and a you know a bit of a lift afterwards was a very precious thing. So I you know I really reflected upon that um, afterwards, not not then thinking oh well I want to do this because I was still in education at the time and and had no um, plans to to do anything other than be in education, even though I was thinking you know, I might be moving on from headship um, around that time. So, mm. yeah, she, without knowing, without me really realising it at the time, um, she really did motivate me to consider training to, to take funerals and nothing else. I wasn't thinking I'm going to become a celebrant and I'm going to take weddings and baby namings and, you know, the whole, the whole lot. It was just mm. about funerals. Um, and it happened that I got into education consultancy work after I left my he- last headship, um, mm-hmm. and thought and and saw a vacancy with the mm-hmm. um, with Humanist UK. Uh, knew that they um, were wanting to train people in my area. Um, they were called the British Humanist Association at the time. Um, and mm. I decided to train with them just for funerals, not thinking that I would um, want to take very many funerals each year, still mm-hmm. thinking that I would be in education and doing my consultancy work. And to cut a very long story short, it just snowballed um, and I just mm. became so busy and I had so many requests to take funerals um, mm. And then I was persuaded to train to do weddings, baby namings, and I now am a full-time celebrant. So I'm a humanist celebrant, um, mm-hmm. so I take non-religious ceremonies, but then mm-hmm. cele- there are lots of celebrants that aren't humanist celebrants that will also take non-religious ceremonies uh, and some mm-hmm. celebrants that will take ceremonies with religion in. So it's about matching the celebrant to the family or the couple. Um, so mm. although I'm a humanist celebrant and I take non-religious ceremonies, I don't always call them humanist ceremonies. They're sometimes just ceremonies or celebrations of life or wedding ceremonies or celebrant ceremonies. Um, but mm. ultimately they, they don't have religion in them. Um, mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I've been so fortunate to have been um, successful. And now I'm working as a full-time celebrant. I don't have time for my education work now. And I sort of bit the bullet about 18 months, two years ago to become a Mm -hmm. full-time celebrant. And so far, it's working out really well. Well, and again, before we started recording, you were telling me how much you, you, you love what you do. I do. Yeah, I absolutely love what I do. To to wake up in the morning and just look forward to getting on with the jobs that I've got to do that day is a wonderful feeling to, you know, to say that I thoroughly enjoy my job every day. Um, I enjoy the variety, um, never knowing what I'm going to do from one week to the next, particularly with funerals, never knowing you know, the inquiries that are going to be coming my way from wedding Mm. couples or families that want baby namings. It's just fantastic. Meeting the people that I meet along the way is a a real joy and a privilege, I guess, because I'm just very interested in people. If you weren't, you couldn't do this job, that's for sure. Um, Mm. But yeah, I'm very fortunate to have found some work that I absolutely adore and I did enjoy teaching but it's this is different I'm much more mm. in control um, of my own diary and my workload um, it's scary but it's liberating and it's really refreshing and that's very different from what I've been used to in mm-hmm. education you're quite institutionalized in education um, to to be kind of in in the in the school kind of trapped in the school environment you know from a certain time in the morning until a certain time in the evening and uh, the accountability is vast um, and yes there's accountability in this role of celebrant a huge uh, amount of accountability because um, you have to get it right for families and couples there is no second chance um, you have to you know, mm. really make sure that things are exactly as they, they need to be on the day. But yeah, for me, it's an absolute joy and a privilege and an honour um, and very much a way of life, I suppose, rather than a job. Mm. So I'm very lucky. How Are you able to give us any sort of examples or stories of situations, whether it be weddings or funerals, where you've really been able to surpass what, what people were expecting? in some way um yeah I mean I think particularly with funerals people are often surprised uh, like um you were saying to me about your mother's funeral people are often surprised Mm. how how I don't know whether joyful is the right word but how uplifted they feel afterwards um yeah that you know nobody expects to enjoy a funeral so you wouldn't mm. use the word enjoy. I really enjoyed that funeral. But mm. actually, when I do have that said to me. <laughs> and when I first started taking funerals, I thought it was a bit odd because I was just going out of my way to make sure that I wasn't making anything any worse. That was kind of my bottom line. I just mm. need to make sure that, you know, I'm not making this awful situation any worse. I'm doing the best by the person that's died and for the family. But Mm. I've come to realise over time that people can enjoy a funeral. And so I suppose Mm. that's exceeding 
people's expectations. It's giving them permission to feel like they can celebrate the life of the deceased and that they can kind mm. of move on afterwards. That they, mm. you know, not that you ever get over grief, you, you learn to live with it, you learn to d- live a different life, you never get over it. But I think mm. having the right kind of funeral and a good funeral um, really assists in, in the grieving, in the farewell process. So I think... Mm. Um, those situations where families have so kindly got in touch with me afterwards and have said, you know, we've had so many compliments, people really enjoyed so-and-so's funeral or, you know, they said it was one of the best funerals they've ever been to and that sort of thing. And that was a bit of a shock and a surprise to me in the beginning. But actually, that's that's an incredible feeling um, yeah. that you've actually helped not only the family, but also the other people who attended the funeral. It doesn't happen all the time, um, mm. but I, I, I'm blown away by the amount of contact that I do have with families afterwards, you know, mm. that they actually take the time to send a card or an email and to thank me. I just, in the beginning, thought this is so odd that people are thanking me. You know, they're in a terrible situation. They've just lost someone that's so dear to them um Mm. they've got so much going on and they're actually saying thank you you know we did the best by that person who has died so that's uh the exceeding expectations in terms of funerals that's what I always aim to do Mm -hmm. Um, and with weddings I think the personalization element of a celebrant led wedding ceremony can cause people to feel wow you know that was memorable that was so them that Mm. you know that's going to stay with me that wedding was incredible because it told the story of those people so perfectly Mm. I'm often asked did do you know do you know them are you a friend Um, Mm. because like you were saying to me earlier you know we do take time to get to know the couples whose weddings that we do that's so so important we've got the luxury of that time a registrar wouldn't have perhaps a priest or a member of the clergy wouldn't have Mm. um so the personalization um of the wedding ceremony will cause people to feel afterwards wow that you know, that was an incredible wedding ceremony because that was just, you know, I learned so much about this couple that I thought I knew really well. And, you know, it transpires Mm. that actually there are all these other things that I didn't know about them. And if there's laughter Mm. and, and that, that sort of feeling of celebration and joy within a Mm. wedding ceremony, um, that also, you know, that emotion, that kind of uplift that people are given permission to feel can really, um make people feel like that you know that was the best wedding or you know a very very memorable wedding that I'll never forget so I think aiming to create that wedding that you know shouts from the rooftops about that couple and gets it so right about them their relationship and their personalities is what we're always aiming to do and when it comes to a funeral it's about you know, gauging things just right for the family, for the for the person who has died, um, and celebrating their life in a very sensitive and a very fitting way, and you know, mm. discovering along the way with that family how you need to do that. So, mm. um, 
there's a lot of thinking there's a lot of you know coming away from a meeting mulling things over before you actually start writing um that that process that you need to go through as a celebrant I think um you know makes or breaks the ceremony and 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 if if you get it right it ensures that that ceremony is is spot on and has exceeded Mm. the expectations for the people involved Mm. And, and a couple of things that you said there on both the weddings and the funerals. What one thing that struck me is it's obviously it's very um, because the for for both the weddings and the funerals you're having such an impact on giving them great memories of those two very different types of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And and something you said about the weddings that kind of made me think is because I. Before, yeah, my background was as a DJ and I played the music at hundreds and hundreds of wedding ceremonies and I saw so many average registrants or, you know, people who just didn't put any personalization, customization into the wedding at all, which is very different to what you just described. Mm-hmm. And and I think the difference it makes is because then I, I would obviously therefore be with the couple for the rest of the day after the ceremony had finished. And when I've been when I've been at a wedding where there's been a celebrant who has really gone out of their way to make it to make the ceremony perfect for that couple to really fit it for the, that couple's personality and you know and how they want it to go it then sets the rest of the day Absolutely. up the rest of the day becomes so much more fun yeah. and and it, it has, so you your role can be so integral to how the rest of the day progresses yeah. in, and how much more fun people have for the rest of the day. Yeah, you're so right. And from that point of view, it's a huge responsibility because you're setting mm-hmm. the scene for the, you know, the further celebrations that are going to take place. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, you're quite right. And so the mood, particularly as you build to the crescendo at the end of the ceremony really needs to lift and people need to leave Mm. that ceremony on such a high um Mm. and that that feeling of celebration needs to be in the air like you could cut it with a knife you know it needs to be hanging there so that you're giving Mm. everyone all the guests and the couple um permission to you know continue to let their hair down go and you know crack open the bubbles and and get the party started um Mm. so yeah from from the point of view of music you know I always advise couples on on their music if they're not sure some people come to to our meetings with very clear ideas about what they want for their music and ultimately Mm. it's always the couple's decision but Mm. um music can have such an impact on a ceremony and particularly that Um, that final piece as you well know you know if it's mm. something really uplifting and really upbeat yeah. And the volume's cranked up right at the end and, and off they go, you know, with confetti being thrown while that music's um, in the background. It, it can have such a wonderful, uplifting effect. So, mm. yeah, you, you, you know, you, you must never go into a wedding ceremony forgetting that you are the scene setter for the rest of the day. Mm. And ultimately, you know, they're very nervous. Most couples are very nervous at the very beginning of the ceremony. And your job Mm. as celebrant is not only to deliver everything in the right way, you know, as you've agreed with the couple, but also to relax the couple as you go along Mm. um, so that they then 
come to the end of their wedding ceremony having thoroughly enjoyed every moment um, and mm. you know gradually relaxing through it and then ready to celebrate afterwards yeah mm. yeah I'm smiling as I, I say that because it's just the best <laughs> feeling in the world it's such a wonderful moment it really yeah. is it's a real privilege you something you said about um five or ten minutes ago you were talking about when you first were doing the funerals and your expectation or your your attitude was more or less you just didn't want to make things worse Absolutely. and and then and then you said you realized actually you that w- it was very different and your mindset changed so did your mindset also change about then how you approached it and how you kind of went about the whole thing um i think these things come with experience don't they um, mm-hmm. And I had, and I guess I was lucky that I hadn't had very much experience of funerals um, until I started taking them. Well, and still I ta- and, uh, until I started training, actually, um, when I trained, I was so fortunate to have a, a wonderful mentor who allowed me to shadow her. Mm-hmm. And I think before I took my own very first funeral solo, um, I'd attended something like 30 funerals um Mm -hmm. and a a huge variety of funerals as well from you know very young people to very elderly people um uh, i'd managed to attend a funeral of someone who had taken their own life etc etc so um i had you know i had that to go on but there's nothing Mm. like you know, getting in there and doing it yourself in order to really realise the scope that you have and the the influence that you have on the situation as celebrant. Um, mm. And I think, you know, I wasn't able to take everything that I had learnt from shadowing my mentor. I hadn't, mm. I hadn't been able to sort of immediately put that into practice. Um, yeah. It was a process over a long period of time where um, I was able to, you know, meet a family, find out, uh, you know, about the person whose funeral I was doing and then think, ah, yes, now I went to a funeral where what my mentor did would really suit this situation or what she said Mm -hmm. would really suit this situation. And so it was kind of a very organic process, um, Mm -hmm. you know, moving from, originally I've just got to make sure that you know I do the right thing by this family and I don't make anything any worse and I just you know take the funeral do do what they need to be done um Mm -hmm. to actually know we can truly celebrate this life by doing Mm. by saying these things by doing these things by using this kind of music and as you do it over time um you know, you you pick up things that work really well, and mm. you know, really um, reflect the deceased in a, in a way that you know really makes the the ceremony very meaningful and very sensitive mm. and very fitting. Um, so I think you you grow um, as you're doing the services, as you're doing the ceremonies. Um, just with experience and with meeting different people and being faced with different situations. Is that a very mm. long-winded way of answering your question there? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
And just, be, I mean, we, we time has flown. It always does seem to in these episodes. It's half an hour gone already. But before we before we go, what what are your views on um, exceeding expectations and over delivering and trying to give people a great experience? What what are your thoughts on that? It's so essential um, in this work to exceed expectations because you're only as good as your last ceremony really um Mm. and being self-employed you know you're very vulnerable to not having work as you well know um Mm. so you know from a practical point of view in order to keep yourself busy you need to be very good at what you do um and Mm. word of mouth and recommendation is very powerful in this business, mm. particularly with weddings, but you know, also with funerals to a certain extent. Um, mm. And I think it's not something that you can force, it has to kind of come naturally. Um, mm. I think to be a celebrant and to be a successful celebrant, um, you've got to be genuinely interested. You can't fake that. Um, mm. You have to really like talking to people, um, finding out about their stories, their journeys, um, Mm. and, you know, be a really active listener. I've been doing so much talking during this interview, but this isn't usually how I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually the one asking the questions and then avidly writing notes and listening as people are talking to me. Um, So I think exceeding expectations kind of comes quite naturally to me because I Mm -hmm. want to do the very best that I possibly can by the couples whose weddings I do and the families I meet. Um, Mm. But I don't think you can be taught to do it. If you see what I mean, I think it just has to come from within. And also you have to walk a mile in another man's shoes. You have to put yourself Mm. in their position and think to yourself all of the time, you know, how would I feel going through this process? Um, Mm. And what, you know, what I've just been asked, how would I respond to that? So I Mm. think then um, you're genuinely invested then in the people that you're working with. Um, Mm. And you want to walk away at the end of the ceremony, feeling like you did the very best that you possibly could with everything that you were given and with, you know, Mm. that you've made the, uh, the most of the opportunities Um, that were there on hand so I think um, yeah striving to exceed expectations isn't something I've ever consciously made up my mind to do I think it just Mm -hmm. kind of comes quite naturally because I want people to have a really good experience and I want to continue to do the role that I do Um, Mm. And so therefore, I want to continue to have contact from people who want ceremonies. And the only way of doing that, the only way of getting that contact and that interest um, and the work is by doing a great job that people are going to, you know, recommend me for, or Mm. they're going to go onto my website and see the photos of me doing what I do and the testimonials that have come my way, fortunately, and they're going to look and say, Ah, oh, yeah, she, you know, they obviously liked what she did for them. Let's give her a go. Let's get in touch. Let's chat. And then, you know, hopefully we, we move on from there. So, well, yeah. Speak, 
Well, and speaking of your the website you just mentioned, what what how would people get in contact with you? What are your website details? So um, I have a weddings website, which is mm-hmm. um, janeblackmanweddings.com. Um, yep. And that's purely just about weddings. But um, mm-hmm. my humanist um, website, which is about all of the ceremony, which gives information about all of the ceremonies that I take, funerals, memorials, baby namings, etc., and weddings, is mm-hmm. humanist.org dot uk forward slash jane blackman and my phone number is is on those websites and i'm on facebook as well um humanist weddings jane blackman celebrant humanist funerals jane blackman celebrant humanist namings jane blackman celebrant so i'm on instagram i'm all over social media well, I, I'll get all of the links for the various things you just mentioned. I'll put all of those in the show notes. So anyone listening, if you want to, you know, if you're looking for any of the contact information for Jane, just look in the show notes and you'll find all of that. Wonderful. Thanks, Tony. So Jane, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and I very much hope to, to meet you one day. That would be fantastic. And thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been lovely meeting you. All the best. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Bye. Bye-bye. Next week, episode 18, I interview Kirk Bowman. Kirk is the, uh, the founder of the Arts of Value Society. Are you familiar with something called value pricing? If that is a new phrase to you, or maybe you don't have a complete understanding of it, I think next week will be a very educational episode. I discovered the Arts of Value podcast a few months ago, and I've listened to so many episodes since discovering it, probably almost 100 episodes. It's, um, it's, it's an excellent uh, show. And I speak to Coke about just how you can deliver a lot of value to your client and how that should be reflected in your pricing. So it's going to be a very interesting episode. That's next week with Kirk Bowman. If you like this episode, why not share it with people you know who might find it useful? If you know maybe a hairdresser or a plumber or, you know, someone who you think that some of the the things you've heard in this or any of the other episodes might be useful to them, you know, please do spread awareness of the show. That would be really helpful. Leave a review. I'd love that as well. And maybe join our Facebook group where you can join in conversations about anything you've heard on any of the episodes. So I hope you have a fantastic week and I look forward to the same time again next Tuesday.